0: Hello, and thank you for joining us. Today is our first edition of the SNAP podcast, Special Needs Advocate for Parents. My name is Michelle Coray, and I will be your host. I am a parent, a special educator, and a school psychologist. My hope with this podcast is to help all of us to better understand the needs of children with disabilities, and as parents, how we can better advocate for our children. So today we will be looking at the special education process explained. The first step in special education is identifying a need. In identifying a need we look at when, where, and how are disabilities diagnosed. The purpose of special education is to provide equal access to education for children ages birth through 21 by providing specialized services that will lead to school success in the general curriculum. If your child's health care provider, teacher, other interested party, or you suspect that your child may be eligible for special education services, it is helpful to know what to expect and where to begin. In identifying a need, we look at when, where, and how disabilities are diagnosed. Children may be diagnosed with a disability by a medical provider or by the school district. However, one must understand that being simply diagnosed with a disability is not a guarantee of services under the Individuals with Disability Education Act otherwise known as IDEA. Having a disability is the first question when determining if a student qualifies. The evaluation team must also answer two additional questions. One, is Does the disability impact the child's educational progress? And two, does the child need specially designed instruction? Students who have physical disabilities or developmental delays are often identified early by a pediatrician or other medical provider. These students have a wide range of academic difficulties depending on the severity of the delay, and some may have no difficulties at all. Fortunately, because they are diagnosed before entering the school system, most children with physical disabilities or developmental delays enter school with special education structures in place. If your child has been diagnosed with a developmental delay or disability by his or her pediatrician, ask your medical provider for a list of local resources. Regional centers, state programs, and public schools all provide early identification, called Child Find and Early Intervention Services. The earlier your child receives these services, the better. Students with learning disabilities often face a different scenario they may struggle through the first years of their education before their disabilities are identified. Part of the reason for this is the local school district's dependence upon the discrepancy method for identification. In addition, students with learning disabilities often lack the physical or social differences that identify students with physical impairments or developmental delays. That is, they look and act just like their peers without disabilities. Also, much of the instruction delivered in the lowest grade level is skills-based. This means that your child is learning skills such as reading, writing, and basic arithmetic. If he or she can read a word or solve a basic math problem, he or she will have relatively few problems in these grades. Starting around the third grade, however, students are expected to apply those skills to learn more information and those with previously undetected disabilities may begin to struggle. Regardless of his or her ability or diagnosed disability, your student will find that school becomes much more difficult once he or she needs to build upon previously mastered skills to gather new information. This is especially true if your child was not able to master some of the foundational skills. For instance, your child may have been a B student in reading throughout the first and second grade, earning an average of 80% on reading and spelling tests. However, if she or he is only able to read 80% of the words taught in first and second grade, how is he or she supposed to read and comprehend a textbook written at a fourth grade level? It is next to impossible, and your child will continue to fall behind in all subjects this is referred to as a widening gap the gap between what a child with a disability knows and what his or her peers know only widens as his as he or she advances to higher grades so what supports are put in place to see if a child needs special education supports put in place are called response to intervention response to intervention otherwise known as rti is used to identify students with learning disabilities or other academic delays. In the past, students with learning or other disabilities were not given any specialized assistance until their academic performance was significantly lower than their disability or IQ indicated that it should be. In other words, smart kids had to consistently fail before they received help. Even worse, those students had to wait so long for assistance that as they waited, they fell further and further behind their peers. This makes it much more difficult for them to catch up. When the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act was reauthorized in 2004, the legislators, with the assistance of the Office of Special Programs recommended the use of a better way of identifying students with disabilities that also provided immediate assistance to struggling students. It is based on the idea that a student needs to master each skill that he or she learns. That means that he or she must be able to demonstrate the use of a skill with mastery and be able to do so consistently. If a student does not master a skill the first time around the teacher will then give the student more intensive support. This is known as intervention. This is done until the student can demonstrate mastery. The support becomes increasingly intensive which usually means that the more time is dedicated to working on a single skill until the student can show that he or she has mastered that skill. If a child continues to fail to respond to interventions, he or she may have a learning disability or an undiagnosed developmental impairment. If this is the case, the teacher will likely refer the student for an assessment. It is important to note that the purpose of RTI is to prevent school districts from relying wholly on what is called the discrepancy method, which is comparing a student's testing data against that of his or her peers for identification of specific learning disabilities. Most schools use RTI to provide intervention for struggling students, but the districts do not use the results of the interventions as the data that the law requires to identify a student as having a disability. Instead, schools refer to a student who has not responded to interventions as a student for more assessments to get the data. For very young students, Kindergartners through third graders who are struggling, this can be a problem because they have not learned enough to show a real discrepancy in test results. Many experts consider overlooking the data that can be derived from interventions to be a missed opportunity to identify students earlier in the process. For parents, if your school district's evaluation team is asking to refer your child for testing after he or she has failed a number of increasing intense interventions, it may be worthwhile to ask them why they don't have adequate data already to qualify your child for a disability. After a child has received response to intervention, it is time for a formal assessment. This is step two in the special education process. If your child has not responded to intensive interventions, it may be time to evaluate for a learning disability or other delay. More detailed information regarding assessments and referrals can be understood. But the first thing is that it is important to know that your child has a right to get a free and appropriate education at his or her best level of understanding. In order to do that a student must be given an assessment. Assessments are diagnostic tools. They don't contain answers or solutions. These are tests designed to provide an overview of your child's academic performance, basic cognitive functioning, and or his or her current strengths or weaknesses. They can also test hearing and vision. Assessments are not able to predict your child's future performance nor his or her ability. That being said, they're excellent tools because they break your child's academic performance down into subtests. Such as reading comprehension, spelling, and basic arithmetic. They can also rule out simple problems, such as hearing or vision impairments, which may be affecting learning. This information is invaluable because it guides the educational process. Teachers can write goals for your child, and you can request services based on information found within the assessments. In a formal assessment, it is important to remember that not every child who struggles academically will qualify for special education services. Assessments might show that your child does not have a learning disability or other impairment that qualifies him or her for these services. However, that does not mean that your child is lazy or not trying. If your child is struggling but does not qualify for special education, it is imperative that you keep looking for solutions work with your child's teacher and other school services and providers to draft an action plan that will address your child's individual needs. Once it is determined that a student needs an individualized education program, an IEP program meeting is held. If your child is diagnosed with a learning disability or other qualifying impairment, The next step is to draft an Individualized Education Program. This is known as an IEP. The Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, IDEA, gives the school district 30 days from the documentation of the disability to complete an IEP. Parents must give permission for the placement as part of the initial IEP. A guide to IEPs is important and essential for parents to understand. Every parent is given a copy of Parents' Rights, and it is imperative that you read the Parents' Rights prior to any IEP meetings so that you make sure you understand all of the rights that you have available to you. In the next podcast, we will discuss what happens next in an IEP. Thank you for joining us today on our first edition of the SNAP podcast.